Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to another episode. And this one is this is going to be a crazy episode. This is going to be a fun one. Um, a couple weeks or months ago, I can't remember, we talked about the best old seasons in NBA history, the best quote-unquote old seasons where we looked at players in the mid to late 30s. Cody, where, where did we start that? Like 36 years old or something like that? I think we 37? started at 37. Yeah, 37. 37. Yeah, this was inspired by LeBron James' incredible 37 and 38-year-old seasons. He's 38 now, according to basketball references, season age. And that's how we're going to do this one. The companion episode, we are going to look at the best young seasons in NBA history, starting at the youngest possible age. And just like with the old seasons, we'll do a couple years uh, until we get to, you know, normal ages that most of the league are, um, which means I think we're starting at age 18 seasons. Basketball reference defines seasons at, by age based on your birthday. Sorry, I get this all always get this wrong. Based on your age on February 1st of that season. So if you're 22 by February 1st, that's your age 22 season, even if you turn 23 on February 2nd. Uh, and I think that's going to disqualify you because I think we're going to start at age 18, and I don't, I don't think we're going to get all the way up to 23. There's too many great players and MVPs by the time you get to 23. And I think it, that's important to to differentiate because at 18, you might think like LeBron James is an 18-year-old, but basketball reference actually counts him as a 19-year-old because he's 19 by the time that date rolls around. Yeah, he was uh, December birthday, so 18 when he came into the league, but turned 19 at the end of December, and therefore, in his rookie season in 2003-2004, LeBron James uh, is an age 19 season, so we'll talk about him when we get to spoiler alert, we'll talk about him when we get there. What, did he make the All NBA team in his <laughs> age nineteen season, Cody? Did he? I actually I don't know that off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure he's made nineteen straight All NBA teams, so that would be the year that it starts. We'll get our crack stats department on that while we um, set up any other criteria we need to talk about. For me, I'm going to think of this the way I typically do when going back and looking at player seasons and evaluating the best seasons from these guys. I'm thinking about winning a title. I'm thinking about, um, especially for young players, how strong I think you are as a player by the end of the season. So when you're 23, 25 years old, you're in the middle of your aging curve. You've already added a ton of skills. You don't radically change during a season. What changes, as we talk about so much on this show, is the variability of the sport. You have a hot shooting month, you have a cold shooting month, you have a sprained ankle, you get traded, you, you feel something out, um, you get in a rhythm, you're on fire. That's what kind of goes up and down and undulates in the middle of your career usually. But I'm of the belief that for the most part, once you establish yourself as a player, you know, you add stuff over the years, but you're roughly the same player throughout the season or throughout two years or something like throughout four years. That, that's your prime. That's how good you are. But Cody, with these young players, no, no, no. When you're, when you're 18 years old and you come in the NBA, you're often like a different dude by the time you get to June, that nine or 10 months later of being in the crucible. So I'm really focusing on how good I think these guys were if we had to stop the season on, on April 5th or whatever and say, hey, who am I picking for a playoff run 
on these playoff teams. It's going to fit with other talent. It's going to be able to play at this level. That's the criteria I'm, I'm using to try to sort out the best young seasons in NBA history. And there's a couple of guys, one in particular we'll get to in a couple of seasons, but I think like the first half of his, his rookie season is it's not significantly, that's a big word, but it's definitely worse than the second half, and you sort of see in the playoffs that he starts actualizing to his actual self. Uh, but going back to LeBron, because I got back, the, the stats team was able to beam the, the information straight to me. LeBron was neither an all-star nor an all-NBA player his rookie season. I think he entered both of them his, his second season in the You're league. Right, that's what we're saying, second season. Yeah. yeah. The rook, oh, the I, rookie thought season. Said, I thought you said rookie season. No, no, no. 19 in a row. This is his 20th year. Yeah. yeah. So the rookie okay. season, I think, is the only one where yep. he, he doesn't achieve that. Yeah. Um, okay. So that, right. So that would be his age 20 season. Yep. Yep. When he starts oh. making the teams. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That was the confusion. My, I, I apologize for that. Um, second season, age 20 season. So we'll, we'll circle around to that in a minute when we get there. But we have a lot of work to do, Cody. We have to power through some of these seasons. So let's start with perhaps the most riveting category, the most riveting <laughs> age to evaluate players in NBA history, uh, the age 18 seasons. Actually, actually, before we get to the age 18 seasons, I've said NBA history many times, but if you have caught me pausing, it's because almost all the work we do historically, including our, our super fun summer series that we did last year, updating the top careers in NBA history, I think that was a 10-part podcast series that we put together. If you haven't heard that, um, that was a lot of fun to do. It gets into all this historical stuff. But I keep saying NBA history. Most of the work I do is after the shot clock. And so Bob Cousy, I think, qualifies with his 1951 season, right? Wasn't Bob Cousy like 20, 21 or 22 in 1951? Is that right? Yeah, he, I think he was 22 his rookie season. Okay. So regardless of how good Bob Cousy was during that season, I think for the sake of today's episode, we're just going to we're just going to put him to the side. Bob Cousy's an MVP award winner with the Celtics, obviously a multi-time champion. Um, so I keep saying history, but really we're talking about since the shot clock, 1954, 1955. And back then there were no 18 year olds, but Cody, because of the, because of the influence of, of high school players coming into the association, you might say because of the influence of Kevin Garnett. You, you, one might say that if they were looking at the historical timeline. There were a few other players uh, in, the, in the preceding 20 seasons, uh, a couple instances of guys going to community college or, you know, Moses Malone taking a circuitous route to the NBA, things like that. But in the 90s, player usually used to be a junior or a senior when you came into the NBA out of college and college was a well-established pipeline and infrastructure for going into basketball. And in the early nineties, things started to accelerate. The money started to explode. The contracts started to explode. And I remember Shaquille O'Neal, who we'll talk about after his sophomore year at LSU, they were like, he should come out because he's going to be the number one pick. And he stayed one more year as a junior. And then right after Shaquille O'Neal was Chris Webber, and the Fab Five was together at Michigan, and they only lasted two years because they were like, God, these guys could, Weber could come out and be the number one pick. Should Juwan Howard come out? Um, two of the Fab, let, let me get this straight. Weber came out as a sophomore, and I believe Juwan Howard and Jalen Rose uh, of ESPN, Jalen Rose now, they came out as juniors. And then you had Joe Smith, and he was going to be the number one pick, and he came out after, as a freshman. 
and Garnett is like, why, why even go? Why, why even go to college? Um, and that gave birth to some of these incredibly young seasons, basically all of them in NBA history that we're going to talk about. I was going to say, when you, were, when you were going through the 18-year-old seasons, <laughs> legitimately how many players did you actually even look at? Like, How many NBA players would you consider being really any kind of an impact player throughout all of the history of the, the, the sport? I looked at four. Um, well, we should, okay, so we should mention that there's only a window realistically here because of the NBA trying to get rid of the straight to high school um, jump at some point. So you have to play one year of college or be one year removed from high school. So we have this window that exists from like the mid 90s to whenever that was 20, 2010 or something like that. So I thought of four players. Andrew Bynum just didn't do enough as an 18 year old. So then I really looked at three players. Those three players are Jermaine O'Neal, as I said, late 90s Portland Trailblazers, uh, Tracy McGrady, 1998 Toronto Raptors, and Kobe Bryant, 1997 Los Angeles Lakers. Those are the the three players I thought of, and I'm not even sure. Did Jermaine O'Neal play like 450 minutes that year? I was going to say, you're you're more kind than I was, because to me, when I looked at it, I just came up with McGrady and Kobe. I didn't think Jermaine, looking it up right now, he played 10 minutes a game for 45 games yeah. that season. Yeah. No, I think those are the two. I think it's a it's an incredibly deep discussion to be had between Kobe Bryant in his 18-year-old season and uh, Tracy McGrady in 1998, the year later, in his 18-year-old season. So who do you think who do you think it is between these two guys? Uh, I have Kobe Kobe's season ranked mm-hmm. higher on account of his offensive package. Uh, I think his shot making, first step, explosiveness. Um, I think it was I think it was pretty spunky. I think it was pretty spunky. But I do like McGrady's sort of physical build defensively, and maybe his athleticism being slightly ahead. If, if you if you look at like a man scale. You know, because these guys are so young, right? They're straight out of high school. If you look at like filling out into a man, I feel like McGrady is like one notch ahead of him. So I, I've evaluated in the past McGrady's defense higher in these rookie seasons of theirs. But you were going back and looking at film, and you actually think that you think McGrady's closer to or ahead of Kobe. You you had a very interesting take on this. Yeah, so my thought with the McGrady, because I, I initially, I've been thinking McGrady over Kobe in this situation, because when you go back and look, yeah, Kobe's skilled, he kind of has a little bit of that jump shot, but I didn't think it was particularly like, it wasn't close to the Kobe jump shot we know, and the one thing that really shocked me, that stood out to me between them, is that, according to Basketball References data here, his finishing at the rim was pretty poor as Ricky, he was shooting like 49%. At the rim. And I think it stands out the fact that he doesn't quite, he doesn't seem to be quite as filled out as McGrady at that point. He doesn't have this like man build quite yet. He very much looks like a high school player. Whereas McGrady, I thought athletically, he looked like he hanged for a while, right? He was able to hang with the group. Uh, he was able to drive past people, flush it down a few amount of times. Like I was impressed with that. And I think that helped him defensively too, where he couldn't be bullied quite as much. And then just, man, like McGrady, when he was younger, just six, eight, super long limbed, could jump out of the gym. I think that helped him be a little bit more of a rim protector. Uh, like I said, couldn't be bullied down in the post. And then, you know, in transition, he was a much more deadly player than Kobe, I thought. And you know, I, I don't think his jump shot was as good as Kobe's at that point, but he still showed off a little bit of that, that leg kicking mid range jumper that he had. And I don't know, overall, I was like, I feel like I would maybe trust this guy in against a tougher defense and offense. That, that was where I was leaning. Interesting. Interesting. Their scoring numbers were similar. McGrady was about 18 points 
per 75, about 1% worse than league average true shooting. Kobe was about 19.3 and 1% better in the regular season. I thought I thought Kobe grew and and kind of ascended a little bit more just from my memory in watching it in real time. And maybe that's why, you know, Del Harris gave him some of those reps famously in the playoffs where um, he ended up airballing like three or four mm-hmm. shots in, in a row at the end of a, a game against Utah. But I mean, part of that ascension to me is that in the playoffs that year, he was getting those reps because of his scoring package. So his postseason scoring numbers, 23 points per 75, Cody, on 54% true shooting, which at the time was, you know, a little bit, again, a little bit better than league average or your opponent. And the Lakers were a two-round playoff team. So for me, I just think there's there's too big of a offensive advantage from Kobe with that scoring, the ball handling skills, and even the ability to probably pass and pass under pressure a little bit more. And, and, as it were, I don't feel like he was too exposed defensively, so I'm not sure I can really give T-Mac that big of an advantage. I know you don't necessarily like this thought experiment, but it's the one that I kind of batted around here. Are they, tra- Kobe, are they trading teams? More or less. I mean, trading teams, trading roles. Like, McGrady didn't have Shaq on his team at that point, right? Kobe Kobe had Shaq at that point as a rookie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just like a solid infrastructure. McGrady wasn't able to showcase what he could do in the playoffs because they didn't make the playoffs. And so, you know, I'm not holding the air balls against Kobe. That like that honestly didn't go into my, my thought process at all. I was just going off some of the stuff I saw in the regular season. But um, I don't know. McGrady was in a worse situation. And ultimately, I was like, I don't know. It's, it seems like he looks pretty solid here. And if we flip-flop positions... I think he could have held his own like Kobe did. Maybe not as efficiently, but I think in other ways, you know, I think his passing game was at least on par or if not better than Kobe's at that time. The athleticism, like I said, I think it was above him. I feel like he could have hung in the playoffs pretty well. Interesting. Very, very, uh, very interesting because I feel like the next year, McGrady is a year older, obviously. Um, That's the lockout season, right? So his his rookie season is... 98 the lockout season is 99 and we still don't see that kind of like jump or that offensive no. punch you're, you're shaking your head do i have it backwards no i agree with you i agree with you i, I was yeah. saying no we don't see a jump right from so that, that second yeah right that so that to me has kind of always been when when trying to you know let's let's entertain your thought experiment there like when trying to balance that in my head it's hard for me to justify mcgrady having that kind of upward offensive growth that I think Kobe had almost maybe from the day he came in the league, just the capacity to grow into that. And it was like a 12 to 18 month period, because obviously by his second year, for those who don't remember, Kobe was uh, selected as an all-star in his second year coming off the bench for the Lakers. I don't know if that was the right move, but he was certainly that electrifying as like a bench scoring uh, uh, microwave. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I think the jump shot develops a little bit quicker, and that probably looks better in the playoffs, and we see him get those reps. So, you know, ultimately, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you're wrong for putting McGrady, but that was my hunch going through some of the stuff. I'm like, I think I think McGrady has a better chance than, than it might seem. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Okay, well, this is, this is a fun one. Um, now it gets more interesting because we start to pick up some more players who were in the league at their age 19 season. And we are right back uh, with, obviously, Tracy McGrady and Kobe Bryant. I think that's a theme of this exercise. The players who are good when they're really young continue to be good and they don't necessarily get passed up by other peers of the same age. So age 19 seasons, there weren't too many that jumped out to me. I want to know if you have any, if you're kind of looking at the board we're sharing right now, are there any other names that jumped out to you besides some of the big ones that I'm going to get to? Wait, besides besides who? Like besides these names that are up on the board here? Yes, because again, with the age 19 seasons, we're not talking about... 10 or 20 all-stars and, you know, covering the 60s and the 80s and the 2000s. We're still talking about mostly players after, what, 1995 or 2000 uh, in that window before 2010. Do you have any other guys that you want to discuss? You know, there's one guy that's not in this list here, but I, I thought he was interesting. I just thought he'd be an interesting talking point. I don't think he's competing as Anthony Davis. I think as a rookie at 19, he looked... I mean, the the rim finishing was incredible. Like, that's one thing he came in fully formed was as a lob finisher, just limbs all over the place. I remember one block, it might have been the championship game in college, where his, like, he's, like, horizontal holding his arm out and just, like, spikes the ball down, and it, it heads, like, near the rim. And he came in with that ability. I don't think the defense translated over right away. Um, the defense didn't translate as a rookie. He had some good block numbers, but I think he was pretty skinny, positionally not quite aware. But uh, uh, when I think about big guys coming in as a lob threat, like he's he added a lot of value through that, I thought. Yeah, I just I'm I'm not sure physically he was there yet. I think I think he was probably um, still too raw. But An- Anthony Davis is more recent. Um, another more recent player that certainly is like one of the first guys to jump into my head was rookie Luka Doncic. Oh yeah. Um, where, where do you have him when you think of the best 19 year old seasons? Can I read you a quote about rookie Luka Doncic, Ben? You, Cody, you don't have to ask me to read a quote. You just get right in there with quotes on this show. Somebody said this once upon a time, and I want you to guess who said this. I don't think there's been a craftier rookie than Luka in league history. Who do you think said that, Ben? Uh, boy, Rick Carlisle. Ben, you said that in his rookie profile on the Thinking <laughs> Basketball YouTube channel, and I think that's a good way to think about it. Is rookie rookie Luka Doncic? He he wasn't like creating. He wasn't generating easy looks at that point. The handle and the burst really aren't quite there. Um, you know, you really don't see the explosiveness that we see from from Luka now. He's a lot lither. Than, than he is now, which we'll talk about, I think, in, in maybe another season. But he's interesting at this point. Like, you see it coming together a little bit, but um, he's just not able to generate a lot of easy looks for him or his teammates quite at that point. I feel like I feel like by the second half of the season, I remember thinking, this is a guy who's like a top 50 player. Like, if I could redo, mm. if I could okay. redo my sub-all-stars, they gave him more responsibility from what I remember as the season went on. And looking back at his statistics by the end of the year, he actually he actually has some pretty solid statistics. The, the passing chops um, were certainly on display. And I think I did that profile, uh, I want to say, with like two months left in the 
in the season or something like that. So he, he's definitely a candidate for me because when you look at age 19 seasons, you are still not at a place in NBA history where you're talking about like, hey, there's a ton of all-stars we have to sort out here. It's more like it's more like sub-all-star quality players going back to our sub-all-star podcast a few weeks ago. So anyone else um, that kind of jumps out to you before I mentioned some some big guys for me at the top? I think those are the two guys that at first I'm like, we should get them out of the way. But there's, I, I'm interested to see if we disagree at the top end here because I, I have some thoughts. Luca and the, who's the other guy? Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah that's right. Sorry. Um, okay. Another another interesting season for me. He, I don't think he's going to make my, my top five. Um, but it, the Kevin Durant age mm-hmm. 19 season in 2008 was really interesting because he had like a ton of... Uh, I want to say plus minus stats and therefore some other advanced metrics that really didn't like him. Right. But I kind of thought watching him from Texas and just seeing him come into the league, incredible, incredible freshman season at Texas and thinking about, okay, what does he need to do to grow, to be great in the NBA? Can he just be like a modern George Gervin with a three point shot or something? I thought his scoring kind of his movement, his shooting, the things that developed into Kevin Durant ultimately in the next few seasons. I thought the flashes of those were there. So I've never, I was never really like too low on his rookie year, despite some of those things. And I think his raw scoring numbers by the end of the season were quite good. So he's another really interesting age 19 player. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, I think he's really interesting. The, The scoring, like you said, like you can see the fluidity, like it's going to be there. But in terms of like, for instance, since we talked about him already, comparing him to Luka Doncic, the passing, not even close to where Luka is. And defensively, um, I don't know, they're probably in the same ballpark, at least as rookies. So I think if you talk about like a full offensive package, Luka has like a more developed game just because of that passing ability as well. Even though Durant, like he showed flashes of that scoring, but he wasn't quite good enough to be like a, a strong, efficient scorer at that point. So he's not really bringing up his, his, uh, his value in that way at that point. So I think he's still a level below guys like Luka at 19. Um, another one that I think is not going to make it that is interesting to discuss is Tony Parker came into the league in 2002 as a 19 year old rookie and his first two seasons, you know, when the Spurs won the championship in 2003, the next year, there were playoff games where he, he lost his minutes, um, you know, and there was, who, who was that? Uh, Speedy Claxton? I think so. I think it was Speedy Claxton. Um, and, and you know, there was like a big deal made about that. But as I've written in Thinking Basketball, if you go back and look at that Spurs team, it sometimes was a different player on a different night. So Parker actually had a ton of big playoff games, a ton of key moments. And I thought his speed and his ability to get in the paint, the thing that would define him later, was already there at, at that age at 20. And you could see it a little bit at 19, but I think it was still a little bit too raw to kind of make the the final list for me here. I think the thing about guys like Tony Parker, these smaller players that come in that rely on speed and finishing, is that the finishing touch isn't there. I think that takes a lot of getting used to as a rookie, is all of a sudden you're playing against these guys that's like, oh, 
I have to watch out for someone that's going to swat this shot above the square, right? Like, I have to float it above there. So Tony was able to get to the rim. Tony was able to blow by, guys. But, like, the unbelievable finishing package that we all imagined from, say, like, the 2007 finals run, where he's, like, contorting his body in the air and finishing basically under the basket, like, that wasn't quite there. Like, maybe the flashes once in a while, but, again, the floater, I don't think the, the, the floater was quite developed then. The finishing in general among the trees wasn't there. But the speed is there, but, you know, ultimately that doesn't translate to to being an efficient player. Uh, I'll give you another one because, I, I mean, maybe you were going to mention him, but another one that's really interesting to me who's recent is Jason Tatum. And, of course, <laughs> his his rookie season at age 19 and then in the playoffs, being the leading scorer for the Celtics in the playoffs, 20 points per 75 plus 2% uh, true shooting relative to his opponent competition. He has uh, good box plus minus numbers. And of course, we, we got to see what Tatum was. So um, wh- where where would you see him if you're thinking of springtime 2018 Jason Tatum among the players we've discussed so far? Is this the season when he throws it down on LeBron? Yeah. Is that is that that's, this that's playoff season. run? Yeah. Man, I mean, yeah. losing in game seven before making it to the final. That's a, that's a pretty incredible run. For a nineteen-year-old man, I, I don't know. I don't know what I think about. I don't know what I think about Tatum. Okay, I well, feel like he's got to be up there. I don't know. I don't know, Ben. What do you think? I feel like he has to be up there too. I, I want you to uh, chew on that for a second while I mention one more name. We've talked about him uh, a minute ago, Kevin Garnett. This is finally his rookie season in nineteen ninety-six. Drafted in nineteen ninety-five, nineteen ninety-five, ninety-six season. He was age nineteen, and that was a really fascinating season. Um, because there are people who thought you can't have an NBA player that comes straight out of high school. You just you just can't do it. They thought Minnesota was crazy. I mean, it's, it's a different time, right, Cody? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like a totally different time. So he um, he actually played eighty games that year. He played almost the entire season, but he didn't start. He didn't. His minutes were kind of inconsistent until about the middle of the year. And if you look at his game logs, he has one game until February where he plays more than 28 minutes, sorry, 29 minutes hmm. in a game. Uh, so basically one game where he plays 30 minutes. And then right around February, January 30th, they move him into the starting lineup for the rest of the season. He starts 43 games, the final 43 games of the year, averages 14 points a game, nine rebounds, shoots 53% from the floor, doesn't get to the line too much, but you're starting to see the the like super active, um, the defensive influence blocks two and a half shots over a steal. So that's always been an interesting season to me because of how good Garnett was six months later when you started his sophomore year. He's an all-star in his second year. I think maybe has set an unfair bar for the for the Garnett disciples that have come in, you know, you mentioned Anthony Davis, Jaron Jackson Jr., Evan Mobley. Earlier we had Darius Miles. There's been a lineage of people. Cody, I want to. I let's stop. I want to make a documentary film. Have I mentioned this before? No, you I want to make a documentary film where we get a bunch. We we put on the cover. We put all the little wreaths and the leaves on the cover, and you know we send it to all the film festivals, and we just go around looking for prospects that are like the next Kevin Garnett. We call it searching searching for Kevin Garnett. That's a brilliant idea. I here okay. Let me let me ask you something, about KG, because you brought up these other guys that are brilliant defensive players, right? Anthony Davis, Jaron Jackson, Evan Mobley, Kevin Garnett. 
from what I remember, like I said, Anthony Davis, I think if you look at the box score, you'd be like, this is a really developed defensive player as a rookie. He's really got it. I didn't quite think the awareness was there. I didn't think the strength was there. Jaron Jackson, I think he seemed to have the tools, but I don't recall him being like a really strong defensive player as a rookie. Evan Mobley, on the other hand, last year, comes in and he has this just unreal like rim protection numbers. He seems to have good awareness that's developing this year, something that's not necessarily captured by the box score. Where does Kevin Garnett fall on that that continuum? Like, what did you think about him defensively compared to these other three guys as a rookie? My reflection watching it live, because it's hard to get a ton of like 1996 Minnesota Timberwolves games to rewatch. <laughs> what? But, <laughs> but, but he was he was kind of like a fish out of water earlier in the season and just bouncing around and, you know, string beans and things like that. And then the second half of the year, I feel like you started to see some of those plays. I'll use a word you used earlier, actualize. Um, And he certainly wasn't the defender. He would be in year three and year four. And ultimately of course, throughout the, the rest of his prime based on that. But I feel like there's that thing of like, learning to play, learning to play with physicality, learning the tricks of how not to get called for fouls. Um, and then all of a sudden, by the time you're in the springtime, if you go to like March, Kevin Garnett, it's like, oh, all of a sudden you're you're playing. I was living in Boston at the time, so you're playing the Celtics. So you get to watch Minnesota on the local game. If you didn't, I actually had league pass, but um, you know, you're watching, you're watching them on the local game and the Celtics aren't very good. And then all of a sudden, like Kevin Garnett is completely dominating the third quarter against your, your mediocre local team. That's what it felt like if that, right. So there was like a little of it coming together, but it still wasn't there. Okay. Okay. Which I, think is, to... I think it's kind of similar to AD to me, just in terms okay. of the rawness at the beginning. Although I think Garnett had a, had a better ascension in mm-hmm. the second half of the season than I remember rookie, rookie AD having, whereas Mobley, how old was Mobley? Was he 20 oh last year? I don't know, but he was incredible. Yeah, it, was, it doesn't make sense how good defensively he was as a rookie. Yeah, it, so he was he was age twenty, so he's a year ahead of these guys. Uh, so maybe we can discuss him in a second. But Mobley's, uh, my goodness, just his instincts and uh, not not being played off the court and not being played off his spots and being able to fit perfectly into the way the game is played right now, switching and protecting the rim and. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible to watch. Yeah, yeah, playing next to a five, being able to be the five, like the defensive portability out there is. Are we are we just gonna turn this to a Mobley podcast? Can, can we pivot <laughs> at this point? Is that okay? Uh, I think we got to finish up these these age nineteen seasons, and then we can get to the real meat of it um, in the in the age twenty and twenty one years. So, okay, I think we've mentioned we've mentioned most of the guys worth mentioning. Um, there was a rookie there was a rookie battle in 2004 between LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony. I will say at the time I was pro Carmelo Anthony winning rookie of the year. Oh wow. I was. That's how much things have changed. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was like here I was watching it and one I I loved the Syracuse run the year before and and two I was like the Nuggets are a playoff team. And the Cavs are the Cavs are terrible, uh, but I was wrong. It's okay. Wait, wait. When you say you were wrong, like obviously the like the career battle between the two is different. But when you look back, are you like, oh yeah, LeBron should have been Rookie of the Year? I think so. I okay. think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My take 
is that it's going to be very hard to knock off LeBron as a 19-year-old. And I don't necessarily know if you're going to agree with me here. Oh, wow. You think LeBron is the best 19-year-old? I, th- I kind of think so. Okay, where would you put Kyrie Irving in this conversation? Oh, wow. Rookie Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Rookie Kyrie Irving, just just for those who don't remember, um, ton of positive indicators. Uh, e- even if you look at like plus minus or advanced metrics, they're pretty solid. And then in our model, Cody, he was in the 89th percentile in, in offensive box plus minus as a rookie because he averaged 25 points per 75 plus 4%. True shooting, created a ton of shots for teammates. Obviously, the passing, the ball handling, the shot making we talked about uh, in our Greatest Shooters podcast episode recently. That was a lot of fun. Kyrie being one of the greatest, we're top 25 or 20 shooters of all time. Uh, and you could even go higher if you if you want to bias toward the, the modern players. So I don't know. That was a pretty good rookie offensive season from Irving, right? So, yes. The thing about LeBron here is I feel like there's more of a full package. Like, I don't know where I would put Kyrie's defense, but Kyrie, I don't know if you want to say he's a better offense player than LeBron at that point, but LeBron in transition, I thought his rim pressure was pretty fantastic for a rookie. Like, he was unbelievable defensively. He doesn't, he's not like ramping up to 2009 LeBron levels yet, but I think he has some good activity. He's got some strong hands. He's still like, again, he's got like the McGrady thing where he's built. Like, he's even more of a man 19 than than McGrady was as a, as a rookie. And like, Ben, I know you probably don't care about this. You probably don't care at all. But he averaged 39 and a half minutes per game as a rookie. And you know the last time anybody averaged 39 minutes per game? It was Luol Deng and Kevin Love back in 2012. And this is a rookie that's coming in and doing that. He's the only rookie. He's the only 19-year-old in Basketball References uh, database who played over 3,000 minutes as a 19-year-old. Now, Carmelo Anthony missed that cutoff by five minutes. So, you know, whatever. They're both right up there. But I think my thing is, is like, I saw some plays where LeBron's able to like cut in and he ducks in and gets post position, gets the pass and he just finishes. Like he had those kinds of plays where he could play off ball. And and even though his jump shot wasn't good, he knew how to play in those situations. And then like the spacing, Ben, like he's driving in and it's like, oh, I'm going to kick to Ira Newble for an 18 foot jump shot. I'm like, man, if he had like modern spacing as a rookie, I think we'd be thinking about him a little bit more. And if we had him on a better team I think he could have changed his game a little bit to not just be like spiraling away in this team I I thought 19 year old LeBron looked pretty solid when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Okay, give me in no particular order your five best nineteen-year-old seasons. Let's see if we can let's see if we can sort these out. Okay, no particular order. No LeBron, particular order. LeBron is in there. Probably Luca. Probably Kobe. Ah, uh, man, that Jason Tatum. He that Jason Tatum is that. Can I say Tatum? Oh, I I don't know about those last two spots. I'm, I'm thinking Tatum and Kyrie were really good. Wait, so I don't know. No, I'm, I'm solid with those top. I'm solid with those top three, Ben. So you're you're kicking Carmelo out. I mean, <laughs> let's let's compare Carmelo and Jason Tatum because I feel like if we're thinking archetypally, they're like the most similar, right? 
I don't remember what Tatum's defense was as a rookie. Like, I'm sorry, I don't recall Tatum exactly as rookie, but I've, I, think, I've I think it was passable. I, think it I have was passable. a hunch it was better than Carmelo's, yeah. right? The passing, neither of them really were great passers. Neither of them were, I mean, Tatum's definitely developed into a good passer, but at that point, Tatum was really not a great passer. Neither was Melo. Um, I don't know. I think the defense kind of maybe moves him above Carmelo at that age. Okay, I'm going to get crazy. Please. I think I'm also going to kick Carmelo out of the okay out of the top five. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Kyrie fifth. Oh, okay, fifth. Yeah, I'm going to go Kyrie fifth. Uh, let's say, boy, this Luca Tatum thing is really, it's really, really tricky, and it's really hard to get your brain around because it just happened, and then we got to watch their careers right afterwards. Uh, I'm going to say Luca fourth, Tatum third. I'm going to go LeBron second and Kobe first. Oh, you're taking Kobe first. I think so, yeah. Okay, get yeah. make your Kobe case. I think he's a I think he's a better offensive player. I think uh 98 Kobe Bryant is a fairly polished offensive player. I think he's giving something back, but you have to realize, let's go let's go back to the defensive side. Um I was going to say he's giving something back on defense, but actually I think the difference in second year Kobe and second year LeBron defensively, I think you can make an argument for Kobe. First, first year LeBron, right? Or are you saying second year LeBron? Thank you, Cody. Thank okay. you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, first year LeBron versus second year Kobe. Okay. So LeBron did have the physical maturation that you were talking about, but he just there's there's kind of a lot of flying all over the court, and um, he didn't have the body control. He didn't have the strength. He didn't have the timing. He didn't have the same feel he would have even a year or two later. Uh, even physically, just a year or two later, he was I thought a step bigger, stronger, faster. And I think there's a reason why when you look at LeBron's, both his stats and his accolades, they kind of start the next season. They don't Mm -hmm. start this season. So LeBron to me is actually closer to the pack of players that I just mentioned, Hmm. where we're trying to sort out the top five. And I think Kobe, you can make a case that he was a valid all-star level player by the end of that year. I think his defense started to pick up. He made a big physical jump. Um, I think he's talked about it, talked about adding strength, changing his weight routine, getting ready for an 82-game season, coming off a 35-game season in high school. Um, he, he, w- he was just, frankly, electric that season, coming off the bench as an all-star. So I actually, I'm pretty comfortable with Kobe at number one. Okay. Okay. And you don't think like the the passing difference when you talk about the offensive value, you don't think LeBron's passing at that age really bumps him up or gets him closer to Kobe? I think you have the combination of the scoring pressure and the passing. And I think LeBron's passing was better, but I don't think he had the same scoring pressure. I don't think his passing was that much better uh, in that context, right? Like if you took 100 different passes and you asked 19-year-old LeBron versus 20-year-old Kobe, I think I think LeBron would be the better passer. But I think in that context, no, I don't think it's enough. I think Kobe's a better offensive player. I think I think actually if Kobe had his own team that season, we could see if we could somehow dig up some splits or on-off stats or something. But I, I would imagine he would actually have a, a pretty slick scoring average in his second season if he had his own team. It's that kind of score. And I do think that's the thing that hurts LeBron is like that jump shot was was really not polished at all. He was kind of all like his legs are kicking out forward. Half of them kind of seem like fadeaways. His he's changing up his free throw routine. So I can I can definitely see that in the sense that you know fitting next to other high end players, being uh the the main creator. Um, but I think when you talk about the bouncing around that defense, I I really like that energy. Um, do you think that Kobe 
was a better defender at that age than LeBron? I do. Yeah. Okay. okay. I do. Okay. All right. Okay. Age 20 seasons. Now, now it's getting yeah. serious because uh, we're not going to go through and say who were the who were the teenagers who were getting enough minutes and things of this sort. Like age twenty seasons, now it's legit. Now we've got Magic Johnson's rookie season. We've got um, we just mentioned all the all the guys we talked about: Kevin Garnett, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. They're in their next se- second season, third season. Um, who who else age 20 seasons like Shaquille O'Neal is in the league at age 20 there there's a ton there's a ton happening here Isaiah Thomas is in the league at age 20 Chris Paul is a rookie at age 20 Dirk Nowitzki is a rookie at age 20 so the competition seriously starts to thicken now did you say second year Zion Williamson because I think he's an interesting one here too oh that's really interesting yeah because d- Second year Zion, does he like actually finish the season or do we just get the flash of him? I mean, oh, how much did he play? I thought he played a little bit more because there was all to do about him being like the greatest rim finisher since ever. Like his rim finishing ability, that's when it like started happening. You're like, this Zion thing is actually going to be a thing because no one can stop him when he goes to the basket. But for how much he actually played, he played uh, 61 games, but that's, that's, that's solid. Did, what, did he finish the year? I, I can't remember. He was shut down at the end of the year. I'm not sure if he had an injury, though. Okay. Or not. Um, but yeah, that's a great... Oh, boy. Wow. That, that's on the board. Age 20, Zion Williamson. <sighs> Cody, you need to talk for a minute. I need to gather myself. Okay. So I think the thing that's like mind-blowing at this point are some of the numbers that like LeBron and Luca put up. And I think what's really tricky when you look at the numbers and you try and do this is like I think the actual statistical case for LeBron might... Like, the box score makes him maybe look a little bit better just because he's playing, like, he's playing 42 minutes a game his second year in the season. So, like, no matter what, this is when he starts doing, like, the 27-7-7 thing each night. And if you look at, like, all players at this age that average 25-5-5, it's LeBron and Luka. But Luka's doing it in 10 fewer minutes. This is also when we see Luka... Is this when Luka makes the playoffs and he has the spectacular showing against the Clippers? He has a couple 40-point games. It's like, wait, what's actually happening right now? Like, Paul George and Kawhi? I don't even remember if both were playing. I I remember them both playing, and it's like... We, we can't throw these two guys at second-year Luka and stop him. He looked like if you compare the way that they moved Ben, like Lith, Luka Doncic, I thought his burst looked better than it did now. Like his, his rim pressure, his his transition game. Man, Luka, was, Luka was something else his second year. Second-year Luka, 97th percentile all-time <laughs> in our database in offensive box plus minus. In the playoff series, Cody's referencing with that great buzzer beater in the <laughs> bubble. 32 points. Per 75 possessions on plus 6% true shooting in that playoff series against the Clippers. That's got to be a candidate for me. That was an absolute monster season. Have I mentioned that Magic Johnson in 1980 mm. is on the board now for for age 20 seasons? I mean, this is no joke, Cody. These five seasons we're going to pick here are, are going to be really good. So we've got, if you're keeping score, I've had Kobe in the lead in the race, right? At age 18 and at age 19. And age 20, we've got Kobe, we've got LeBron, um, we've got the aforementioned Tracy McGrady, we've got Luka Doncic, we've got Shaquille O'Neal, we've got Magic Johnson. I mean, you can throw in Kevin Durant, Chris Paul. There's there's just... uh, Is there anyone recently that I'm forgetting? All these guys coming into the league at a young age. The competition is thick. 
Anthony, da- did we say second year Anthony Davis? I thought he started looking pretty interesting. Yeah, at this second point. year Anthony Davis is up there as well. Man, what are we? How are we going to do this? How are we okay. going to only pick five? Can I? Can I? Okay, let me let me say something to at least maybe get the ball rolling with this. If we're looking at age twenty seasons, t- tell me if I'm crazy, Ben. Was Luca at twenty better than LeBron at twenty? Here, with LeBron, I, 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 I kind of feel like he was. Yeah, I think yeah. LeBron doesn't really level up until 2006. Like, he's I, definitely better as a rookie, but I think 2006 is when it's like, oh, LeBron James. But Luka at 20 was like, oh, Luka, what is happening here? I think I would have Luka over LeBron. I, I agree with you. Okay. I agree with you. I'm I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not even sure LeBron's going to make my top five. Whoa! <laughs> now that I'm looking at this... <laughs> Okay, that's that's hot. Now we're ready. Now we're podcasting. <laughs> well, well, look at it. Look, I mean, okay. I am looking. Oh, at it. Okay, I'm, here's I'm one I really want to talk about. I want to dive into this. I want to dive into this. Shaquille O'Neal, 1993, his rookie season. The, the man was a monstrosity. I think people hear like rookie season, right? And they think, well, you know, no matter how good you are as a rookie, you're still coming up. Yada yada yada. Shaq had. The three years of college, his rookie numbers, 24 points per 75, plus 5% true shooting. Now, his box plus minus is only in the 88th percentile all time in our overall regular season number uh, that we use, thinkingbasketball.net, that's available for Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash thinkingbasketball. Offensive box plus minus is only, quote unquote, only in the 75th percentile. But this is like... Let's put some context on this for for younger listeners. This is an expansion team in Orlando that came in in a couple of years earlier, and they were they had an expansion draft. They had no one. They were terrible, and then they got Shaq, and they went from like terrible to well, how many games did they win his rookie year? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, were they still terrible his rookie year? I didn't think they were terrible but i could be just like lying to you saying no they go from they go from 21 to 41 yeah they go from they go from 21 wins the year before to 41 wins by adding shaquille o'neal and yes you get a little bit of like nick anderson and dennis scott are a year older and that kind of thing um but like it was a similar team let me let me read the minutes leaders from the 1992 Orlando Magic that won 21 games. They had a minus seven SRS. That's a point differential adjusted for opponents. Okay. Let me, let me just read the minute leaders. Greg Kite, Jeff Turner, Anthony Bowie, Nick Anderson, Scott Skiles, Terry Catledge. Okay. Mm-hmm. The following season, the minutes leaders were... Well, Jeff Turner was on the team. He got bumped down in minutes because of Shaq. So did Terry Catledge. They also had uh, Dennis Scott. And then you had Anthony Bowie, Nick Anderson, Scott Skiles, Tom Tolbert. Hmm. That's the magic. And then they added Shaq, and they won 41 games. Uh, He made the all-star team. He was, I thought, just ridiculously impressive and kind of shifting, shifting the earth in the eastern conference right away as a rookie he finished 16th in all nba shares getting 12 percent of the vote to make an all nba team and he finished seventh in mvp voting 
as a rookie in 1993? <laughs> I think <laughs> when people think about Shaq, right? Like there's, there's obviously like the two levels of it. You think about Lakers Shaq, you think about Magic Shaq. And I think obviously when you look at the Lakers Shaq, he's just like a behemoth, like an unstoppable behemoth, like 2000, 2001. He's enormous, right? But like the thing is, is he was also enormous when he came into the league. Like this isn't a guy that was like looked like Anthony Davis as a rookie. Like when you see him or you see some like Kevin Garnett as a rookie, like these guys are really slim. Shaq was slimmer, but he was still a monster, like impossible to keep off the boards. He was blocking three and a half shots per game as a rookie, averaging 37 minutes a game over four offensive rebounds a game. Right. Like this is just a physical player. That, I don't know, I think he was also, like, he was experimenting with grabbing the ball and going, like, something you didn't see quite as much in 2001, but he could get down the court in a hurry. I think, is is he the most overwhelming rookie of all, like, maybe Wilt, Wilt kind of, like, screws up everything, but is he the most physically overwhelming rookie ever? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wilt, Wilt, relative to the era, would be the other one, but... Uh, uh, rookie Shaq was was something else Uh, once again I need to compose myself Cody talk about some other players or something well I I I reflect on this the man was ripping backboards apart he broke two (laughs) backboards in his rookie season that's a that's a big man okay do you want you want to talk about someone else because there's someone I actually think is interesting here there's there's an interesting player that I I I don't know Magic Johnson I'm ready let's talk about Magic Johnson because Magic Johnson this is when he wins finals MVP he has the famous game. I think it's game six against yep. Philadelphia. Kareem's yep. out. He's quote unquote playing center, does the jump ball. Very good player, right? Where, where does he land for you? I think I think he's a little overrated because people don't realize uh, yeah. he, he still had to grow into his role. At the same time, the man was a basketball savant, could kind of roam around the court. He was better defensively when he was younger compared to his later years. Uh, I think a lot of the instincts are there, created a serious mismatch problem, instantly electrified Los Angeles, and I think was their second best player on a championship team. So Cody, he's 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 right up there in contention for the for the top spot for me. I got I got a couple of guys in contention for the top spot, and rookie magic has got to be one of them. Okay. Where, where do we start? Where do you start with the ranking? Well, you tell me, give me your five in no particular order. I'm 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 getting ready to commit. I think, okay, Luca has to be in it for me. Shaq has to be in it for me. (laughs) I I, I don't know beyond that then. I mean, LeBron is still LeBron. Like, he doesn't level up till next year, but we're still talking LeBron James. Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant keeps expanding his role, but he's not quite... He's a better defender. That, That next year, that 1999 lockout Kobe Bryant, he's a better defender... Uh, he's actually a really, really good defender that year, and he's got more. He's got more tempo to his game. He's got more control and kind of you know harnessing change of pace and things like that. Is it is it is it uh, recency bias to maybe say Zion? Ben, is it I, my only two that I think have to be in it for sure in my mind are Shaq and Shaq and Luca. That, that's my take right now. How do you feel about the the prospects of a, of an Anthony Davis or a Kevin Garnett? cracking list list Kevin Garnett uh was an all-star in his second season we talked about some of his ascension as well and you mentioned it like when you look at second year Anthony Davis it's not quite like the craziness of third year Anthony Davis spoiler alert but second year Anthony Davis pops completely pops off the screen was he also an all-star that year 
Um, man, I don't know that. Ton of top of ton head. of all star players. Um, Anthony Davis was an all star in 2014 in his second season. Man, sorting this out is just is just I absolutely th- brutal. Okay, here's what makes this really difficult: is when we're talking about full impact, right? The big men, it all depends on how good of a defensive player you think they are. Because that's where they're kind of eclipsing some of these other players. Because again, LeBron's not 2009 wrecking ball LeBron at this point, right? Kobe is a much better expanded defensive player. But like, even best defense Kobe Bryant isn't going to be anywhere near like peak Kevin Garnett sort of thing. So since we know Kevin Garnett is maybe like one of the best defensive players, not maybe, is one of the best defensive players of all time. Anthony Davis is one of the best defensive players of the last decade. How close are they at this point to being that player? And I think that that makes this particular season really tough because the other players' offense isn't quite there, but I don't quite know where these big man's defense are. Okay, I'm I'm gonna commit, Cody. Let's do, do it because we got to get out of here. We got to we got to we'll be here podcasting all day. Uh, I am going to go LeBron. LeBron James finished sixth in MVP voting in his in his age twenty season in 2005. But I agree with you. I think he was actually a little bit overrated by the raw mm-hmm. box score and the role he had on that team. And I'm not sure anybody realized what was to come with that with that aging curve. They were like, oh yeah, LeBron's good, and we'll we'll throw him some love. Like you didn't need to throw him any love. Yet it was plenty to come. I think I'm going to go LeBron fifth. Okay. Magic Johnson fourth. Uh, Kobe and Shaq. God, that's brutal. They're really similar to me in my head. I I I guess I will go with Kobe third. I could flip a coin on these. I'll go with Kobe third, Shaq second, and I think I said it at the time, and I'm I'm going to stand by it with a couple years of distance. I think Luca was the best 20 year old I've ever seen. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. Like, Luca, it, it doesn't make sense how developed, like, the passing game was, how much the handle improved from year one to year two. Man, I love LeBron James, Ben. I really do. Part of me is like, should Zion be there instead of LeBron? That, that's that's the one thing I'm thinking. Like, should Zion be in that top five? Instead? Yeah, no, I think Zion is right there. I mean, if you, if you didn't include health, mm-hmm. I could see bumping... Zion in for LeBron and then and then there's a couple other guys Garnett and Anthony Davis and hey we haven't even mentioned him but I think second year Kevin Durant was Mm. sneakily really good as well let's move on to age 21 yeah this game's getting this game's tough Ben this is this is this is one of the tougher podcasts this This may be this may be the last season we like the the stakes have been ramped up so much now 21 we're almost by the time you get to 22 23 forget it just everybody's an MVP they're all in the they're all in the league uh 21 things get more serious we have all the players that we discussed and then there's a new fella there's a new guy uh at the party and two and new two new two, two new, new guys two new, two new guys yeah two new guys so so you know regular like low level all-star seasons they're not going to cut the mustard anymore you got to be better because we have rookie michael jordan is now in the conversation and oh my goodness, I can't, I, I can't believe this. Age twenty one, Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. I. So okay, I thought about Michael Jordan a lot. I thought about Michael Jordan a lot because like you go back and watch those rookie seasons. That Bulls team was kind of a mess. Like it's, it's really not a great watch to go back and see them all together. Like but Michael Jordan as a rookie, the first step 
the unbelievable explosiveness, the finishing ability over people, the dunks, like the athleticism is undeniable. He's able to get to the rim at will, but like, it's kind of weird to see teams just be like, we want you to take this mid-range jumper. Like the mid-range jumper is not quite developed yet. And then defensively, (laughs) defensively, you want to talk, like you referenced like LeBron's just kind of bouncing around his rookie season. Michael Jordan, like, didn't know what to do with the toolbox. Like, he's got his wrench, he's got a screwdriver, he's got his level. He's just throwing them all. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing with them, but they're all in his hands. And he's just, like, he's swatting people at the rim. He's biting on pump fakes. He's gambling for steals. But he's also just, like, he's stripping folks and getting transition dunks. He's jumping passing lanes. He makes spectacular plays, but he's also just, like, it's not there. So I think some of the highlights maybe overstated, but also rookie Michael Jordan was fantastic. Just fantastic. I think rookie Michael Jordan was an all-NBA level player. That's pretty <laughs> he was, good. He was ridiculous. Yeah. That's pretty good. Now, nothing compared to what he would immediately ascend to in the following seasons. And this is 1985 Michael Jordan. The Bulls were pretty terrible. By 1988, he rounds into form. He starts focusing more on defense. He becomes maniacal. He just that That's to come later. But I think the baseline when he came into the league, you know, when he was in North Carolina, there was an, a saying about Michael Jordan Who's the one man in college basketball who could stop Michael Jordan? Was it was it was the answer Michael Jordan? The the answer was Dean Smith, his coach. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that was the answer. Um, I love that. Okay, so oh my goodness, you know who else comes on the board here? I mean, we just have to be fair because some of these seasons are so good. Julius Irving mm. in 1972 in the in the ABA comes on the board. Uh, Julius Irving, obviously. Three-time ABA MVP, one-time NBA MVP, and he, he not too shabby rookie year, 27 points per game, 16 rebounds, four assists for the Virginia Squires. We didn't really have advanced metrics back then or anything like that, but uh, I think we talked about it over the summer. Um, the next year in 1973, so if we get to age 22 seasons, 1973, he finishes second in the ABA and MVP voting. So we're not quite there with Dr. J, but another great player to come on the board at age 21. I think one of the most underrated 21-year-old seasons ever. Maybe maybe just one of the most underrated players ever. Cody, this is right up your alley. 1978, Milwaukee Bucks, Marcus Johnson. God. That guy, that guy was a serious two-way player, finished 10th in MVP as a rookie in 1978 for the Bucks. He, I mean, we're talking about a guy that may or may not have been the point, for, like the beginning of the point forward, like literally the first time point forward was ever used. May have been him. It might have been Paul Pressey. Some people say it's Rick Barry, but that doesn't seem to be quite as substantiated. I like to think it was a Milwaukee Buck, but Marcus Johnson, I, I love that he's getting a shout out. Still, still color commentator for the Bucks. One of the best out there. Go watch some some local Bucks games because he's fantastic. Old school eight on Twitter. He's a fun follow and also with one of the great cameos of all time in White Men Can't mm-hmm. Jump. Speaking of white men who can't jump and Rick Barry, Cody, uh, I don't know if Rick, his son could certainly get up. Rick, 26 points per game as a rookie in his age 21 season in 1966. He made the all-star team. He comes on the board at this age, obviously a great passer and one of the greats of all time. He finished fifth in MVP in 1966. I'm telling you, these age 21 seasons are heavy hitters you just have to be a monster you have to be like an mvp level player at this point to make our top five 
I think, okay, the, the other thing that makes this tricky now is we got these guys coming on the scene that are fantastic. Like you talk about Rick Barry's numbers. We talk about Michael Jordan basically being an all-NBA player. But also, the other players we've been talking about have had a few reps in the NBA. They're starting to figure out. We're starting to see, like, Kevin Garnett be like, wait a second. I can teleport on defense. I can literally guard everybody. That starts to, to balloon his impact. LeBron, like I said, he kind of starts making a jump in 2016. Kevin Durant, we start seeing, like, the Kevin Durant we know. He's scoring like 30 points on plus six relative true shooting percentage. 30 points per 75 on plus six relative true shooting percentage. Anthony Davis starts putting it together defensively. <laughs> this is this is 2010 Kevin Durant, right? Yeah, this is 2010 Yeah, so that's the, that's the year they win like 50 games and break through and make the playoffs and the baby thunder and they take the Lakers to six games. Uh, keep, keep going. These, I mean, these seasons are so good. Kobe Bryant, I think Kobe Bryant, again, like he makes his leap up at this point, right? We were talking about how we were probably all-star level player coming off the bench and whatever else. I think offensively, he starts taking a jump while also still really locking in defensively. This is 2000 Kobe Bryant, arguably his best defensive season. And this is the year where they win their first title together. And in that title run next to Shaq, uh, you have the buzzer beater against Phoenix in the playoffs. You have the big fourth quarter game seven comeback against the Blazers punctuated by the famous lob to Shaq. And then you have the game four in Indiana on the road, 2-1 series in the finals. Shaq fouls out. Kobe comes on the court in overtime after, uh, I think he sprained the ankle earlier in the series. I can't remember, but he, he says, I got this, makes four consecutive jumpers in overtime. That's the version of Kobe Bryant we're talking about. Cody, do you have a do you have a top five in no particular order? Again, with LeBron have you mentioned James. Isaiah Thomas? He's also <laughs> there's so many like Chris Paul. Did we talk about Chris Paul either? Like well, I this think is, this is 2007 Chris yeah, Paul. I think we're, a, we're one year away. Pretty big difference. Yeah, 2008 Chris Paul is insane. Yeah, that's when that's when he solidified as like, all right, this is the best point guard in the league. Even though like we had this Darren Williams conversation, uh, the, but but oh, Darren oh, Williams oh. in two thousand seven was really good, and I think the difference between like Chris Paul and Darren Williams in two thousand seven was a reasonable conversation. I think in my head that conversation ended in two thousand eight. Was that the Western Conference yeah, Finals yeah. run? Yeah, yeah, he was amazing in that. Yeah. Oh, an underrated pick and roll guy of all time. Darren Williams was, was a killer, not on defense. He was not a killer. Maybe for his team, he was a killer on defense. But LeBron, his first his first playoff series against the Wizards in six game averages 47.3 minutes per game. 47.3 minutes per game. I thought you were going to say 47 points per game. No, no, he doesn't quite do that. But I want, I want to paint the picture of game, of game six because it's quite the exciting finish because this is the Wizards are down 3-2 in the series. Okay, there's like six seconds left. Okay, they're down by three. Inbounded to Gilbert Arenas, pulls up like catch and shoot from like 37 feet and just buries it. This is like Damian Lillard before Damian Lillard. Ice cold hibachi, Gilbert Arenas burying it. In overtime, okay, this is not LeBron hitting a game winner. This is the beginning of the passing thing. LeBron gets doubled at the half court near the end of overtime. Makes a pass, extra pass to Damon, uh, Damon, Damon Jones, not Stoudemire. Damon Jones hits a corner three. They end up winning the series. So I, I think this is when we start seeing LeBron becoming... Not quite there, but he's getting there. So I don't, I don't know. I think LeBron's got to be in the top five. That's my long-winded way of saying he's he's probably in my top five for this. Okay, he led he led the NBA in all NBA vote shares, getting ninety-seven yeah. percent of possible votes. He finished second in MVP. I'm 
I, I think I'm kind of with you. I, I feel like 2006 to 2008 is a critical growing point year by year for LeBron. I thought his defense was better this year. I thought this was the year his physicality started to really jump up. He probably added a little weight and filled out. But I still think there were things in his game, namely his outside shooting. Mm-hmm. That's a big one that uh, I don't get too excited about relative to the kind of heavy lifting he was doing in this sort of like one man, the Cavs aren't very good, but I got to do, do a ton of stuff. So I think I agree with you that LeBron, well, you said LeBron has to be in your top five. There's some, there, Cody, there are just some seasons that are, that are just crazy good. Um, have we talked about 1998 rookie Tim Duncan yet? Besides maybe like, because we're not going to get to these seasons, besides maybe like Russell and Wilt, is is this the best defensive rookie season, at least in the modern NBA? Is there a better rookie defender than Tim Duncan? Uh, does David Robinson count? Because he came into the league when he was like 33 oh. after <laughs> after doing multiple tours of duty. David Robinson went to the Navy, you know, he was at the Navy. And yeah, took, yep. sure those who don't know that joke. Um, so does he count? Tim, wait, does, does, does David, David Robinson, Robinson count? season count? As, sure, let, let's count David Robinson in this. I think David Robinson would be better oh, yeah, okay. Okay. as a rookie defender. But in the last like 25 years, is there a better rookie defender than Tim Duncan? I can't think of one off the top of my head. I mean, Tim Duncan was a rookie in 1998, finished fifth in MVP. Uh, he was, you know, 1A, 1B with David Robinson, probably a little bit more focus on the post in terms of primacy of offense by the time you got to the playoffs. He's got to be there for me. Tim Duncan is absolutely have to be, absolutely has to be in the top five for me. The patience on his post-up game as a rookie, like the poise he came in with. And I think this is a guy that he stayed an extra year of college. He stayed all four years at Wake Forest, if I'm not mistaken. And weren't they saying that he would have gone first in the draft if he came out the year before, but he didn't He didn't feel like he was good enough? Was that it? Like, he didn't feel like he could have made it? What was, what was the thing with Duncan? He, he has said in an interview recently that he didn't feel really comfortable. He's, he, was a, he was an island guy, and then he kind of went to Wake Forest, which in a way is a, not thought of as a basketball institution, but it was a little island in North Carolina where he could be comfortable and live in that bubble. And then a big thing when Popovich got him was to go down to the Virgin Islands with him and spend time with him and kind of help help make him feel comfortable. So he has said in interviews, um, you know, I don't know if you take it at face value, but he said like he, he really just didn't feel comfortable moving to that professional big spotlight in the NBA, probably knowing he was going to be the number one pick if he came out as a junior. I, I, I think there were people who thought he would have been a like a top five or top ten pick if he came out as a sophomore. He was really promising and then just ended up staying all four years. So he, Cody, just an unbelievable rookie season from him. You, you know who else we haven't even mentioned, I think? You might have mentioned him listing players like Kevin Durant. This is that 2010 season. He he won the scoring title that year. Yeah, yeah. At, at 30 points per game, he also finished second in MVP that that season. So, oh, by the way, this is the this is the 2015 Anthony Davis insane season. We also didn't talk about that. This is Shaq's second season where he's. What are some of the, let me let me look some of these numbers. Where he's scoring 29 points. Does he win the scoring title in his second I, season? Is that when he does it? I was asking you. I was wondering I, if you if you had it up in front of you, maybe. No, I have his, his relative true shooting percentage in front of me, which is plus 7.7. 29 plus 7.7. And this is also the season where he has 20 blocks 
in a game, Ben. Shaquille O'Neal blocks wait, 20 wait, shots. Sorry, sorry. time out. What did you say? 20 blocks. There are 20 times in one game when somebody throws the ball at the rim and Shaquille O'Neal physically with his hand says no. Just wait, sends what? what? Hold on. You're breaking my brain. What? <laughs> he didn't have 20 blocks in a game. What's going I, on? I'm not making this up. Yes, right? you're, making this up. Yeah, yeah. you're making well, this up. Wait, fi- fi- was it 15 blocks? Did I say 20? It was 15, right? You said 20. I said 20. Because that would be because that would 15. be the record. No one's it was had 20 15 blocks. blocks. Yeah, it was 15 blocks. 15 blocks. Okay. Yeah. What, okay. What's five blocks? What's five extra blocks? Well, the record for blocks is none none other than uh, Milwaukee Buck legend Elmore Smith, who had oh. se- 17 blocks in a 1973 game playing for the Lakers. So okay. I was you you broke my brain for a second. I was like, did I miss this game where someone had 20 blocks? That was my be mistake. You had 50. I guess 15 is not very impressive. I shouldn't be shouting no, about 15 that. 15 blocks oh, is yeah. nothing. I can do that in my sleep. Um, and have you committed to a top five yet? We have to so end I, this podcast. I think I think I think Shaq Shaq has to be in it. Shaq's in there. Yeah. I don't know if he's number one. Shaq. We didn't. How much but, better? What does Luca look like compared to his twenties? We just said Luca had the best twenty-year-old season. What's I think 20? he was better. I think he was better this season than he was as a twenty-year-old. But like, did he, he have the market improvement that everyone else, that a bunch of other guys did? Wait a second. Can we talk about Anthony Davis for a second before we do Luca? <laughs> Anthony Davis's 2015 season, he averages 28 points per 75 on plus six percent true shooting in our box plus minus model that we have he's in the 99th percentile all time in regular season so he's having like an elite sort of one level below all-time season maybe um this is the year the pelicans get to the playoffs he only finishes fifth in mvp that's probably a new orleans bias is what that is if he played in new york that season he would have won mvp you can't you can't convince me otherwise he would have been the three-point shootout too Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) So, okay. I'm going to go. Have you committed to five players? I said Shaq. I might say Duncan. I'm going to say LeBron. LeBron, LeBron's in my top five. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, Ben. What do you do? What do you do? Well, you, you, you asked me about Luka, right? Yeah. Okay. Luka, the next season... I thought if you look at where he was in the playoffs, you you look at where his game was, you look at the Dallas offense, I think you can make an argument that he was even a little better than he was the year before. So wherever he was the year before, if you like bump it up, is that good enough to get in your top five age 21 seasons of all time? I, th- I think it is. Okay. I just didn't know how much it's bumped up. I, like Kevin Durant, the scoring is unreal, but the passing isn't quite there yet, right? Wait, Defensively, wait a- he's... What's wait a second? No, I, I forgot one more name, Cody. Is we it Magic forget. Johnson? Magic Johnson was pretty good, but I think this guy might have been better than Magic Johnson at this age. Um, we oh, also Magic Johnson missed a ton of time. That's the thing. Magic Johnson had an injury and missed a ton of time. So if you take into account health, maybe he can't make your top five. Your your guy Tracy McGrady. This is the year. This is the year he goes bonkers. He gets to Orlando. He makes his first all-star game. He has his team, averages 27 points, eight rebounds, five assists, revitalizes the magic, um, finishes eighth in MVP. Sorry, excuse me. He finishes sixth in MVP. Let me let me get that correct. What do you do with him? Great defensive season. He's a great defensive. He's a good passer. 
Like if, if I'm like putting him head to head with Durant, like Durant, I think is probably a better scorer at this point. But passing, I give the edge to McGrady. Defense, I give the edge to McGrady. I guess I would probably like wherever we rank them, I would have McGrady over. I would have McGrady over Durant. I think. Do I have McGrady over Kobe? Do I have McGrady over Kobe, Ben? Um, um I got so I, I'm working through my thoughts here because we got to finish this show. Do we? I, I think. That, <laughs> I think. I think there are eight guys who kind of stand out to me if you. It's if you include health, uh, McGrady, Anthony Davis, Durant, Kobe, LeBron, Duncan, Luca, Shaq. I think those are the eight guys. You you've you've punted long enough. I'm gonna go for it. Okay, you should. I'm gonna go for a top five. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Kevin Durant is fifth. Cope, but guy, but you could go LeBron. You, maybe I should go LeBron. Maybe I should go LeBron there. I this is this is really torture. Kind of maybe feels like I should go LeBron. LeBron has had enough flowers for me. Let's go. Let's go. Kevin Durant fifth. Kobe Bryant fourth. This is the year before Kobe just really jumps up, comes into his own offensively. But such a great defensive season from him. I'll say. Luca third, Duncan second, Shaq first. So LeBron doesn't even make make the cut. I he, he would be in the five position, I think. Five that I, I guess I guess with Kobe Durant, I could take LeBron there. I could take Anthony Davis there. I think I could be talked into maybe talked into Tracy McGrady there. I think those are the guys for the fourth and fourth and fifth position. So I could go either way. Let me ask you something about LeBron, because. I think a key here is his defensive impact. What what do you think of LeBron as a defender at this age? I think he was okay. I think he got better the next year. I think he got better the next year. And then, obviously, once he hits 2009, it's kind of like world class. That's, that's actually a, a great point, Cody, because I don't think it's his offense really at this point. His offense is spectacular. In fact, in fact, if I were to lay out the best offensive players of this group we're debating, I would have... I think I would have Shaq first. I would probably have LeBron. Well, maybe Luca. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Luca. Luca mm-hmm. Doncic. Maybe he's got to be. He might be first. I don't know. He might. He might be first. He's 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 ridiculous. I'll go Luca first. Shaq second, and then I think I would have LeBron third. Right there. Right there with Shaq. You could probably go either way. So I do think it's the defense for me that is a big deal between 21-year-old LeBron, 22-year-old LeBron, and ultimately 24-year-old LeBron, where you get into that, like, God, this guy's an unbelievable defender. What what changes so much? That's so weird for, like, because usually when I think of, like, players getting so much better on defense, it's like big men knowing their positional awareness, and they can just figure out how to, like, be stronger in the post. They can be a better rim protector, whatever else. Uh, for LeBron, like... Does that awareness really change his defense that much? Did he have so many tools that were unlocked by a lack of awareness that he had earlier in his career? It's, it's just really interesting to see a wing improve that significantly. I don't I don't know if it's awareness. I don't know if I would think of it that way. It's part of it is effort. Part of it is intentionality um, and just like focusing on defense and kind of understanding things that you need to do. He's only 21 here. Cody he just came straight out of high school. He's only 21. But I think the biggest thing is as good as he was as an athlete, as a 6'7", 6'8", guy that could move and have the feel and all the things we talked about historically for him that make him one of the all-time greats, by the time he gets to 2009, he's like an alien. 
If you like, go look at 2007 LeBron film and compare it to 2009 LeBron film. He looks like he's about 270 pounds. Um, he looks like he has like a 4240. Like he's just shot out of a cannon when he moves. His first step is ridiculous, and I wonder if he could grab a nickel off the top of the backboard. I mean. I remember there's I think there's one it just shows off his athleticism more than anything. This is just a LeBron post now. That's a LeBron podcast. I'm okay with that. I think it's against the Blazers and someone throws him a lob. He doesn't throw it down. It's a little off, but he catches it. And when he catches it, Ben, I swear that his shoulder is at the rim. Like it's it's one of the more impressive single jumps I've seen in an NBA game. It's 2010. I think that play you're thinking of mm. and uh he does get a little bit of a Chambers boost. I've reviewed that film Zapruder style. He gets a li- he hits the he hits the de- defender with his leg or something to get a little bit of a chambers boost which yes the chambers boost for those who don't know is when tom chambers um i think was dunked on mark jackson right i think so yeah and 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 what happens is physics wise you see it in the dunk contest as well like your legs get to hit something in the air and kind of be suspended or press up a little bit in lebron's case it created the most ridiculous illusion like lebron couldn't even believe he was still in the air he was just like flying in the his head was like above the square it was it was wild if you want to youtube that uh check it out we've stalled long enough cody top five where do you where are you going with Oh, I, no one cares about my picks. Ben. Oh, okay. You, you, right. you have your picks. No, that that's good enough for did me. I, I, get, my, I get trashed enough for my picks. I'm not. Did I already do there. my picks? Yeah, I think you did, didn't you? <sighs> I, I I think I think if you want to support this show, you should check out <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/ThinkingBasketball. That's where we have uh, the historical database that we referenced throughout this episode. We also have uh, our in-season leaderboards, which I I use every day. I love them for players and teams. We just had a big update for teams so we can look at things like how teams perform against the top 10 teams in the league, the bottom 10 teams in the league, how they perform at home versus on the road, which might have some interesting playoff implications this season that we'll come back to in a future episode. Patreon.com slash Thinking Basketball. We have extra content. We have a Discord community, which is fantastic. We do a a live Q&A every month. Hope you've enjoyed this one. The greatest young player seasons in NBA history. Cody, do you have any final takeaways? Because to me, I'm kind of blown away by how great some of these players were at the age of 21. And if we had gone to 22, I think what you'd see is like in the 1960s, in the 1970s with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell in the 50s, Wilt in the 60s, Oscar in the 80s, Larry Bird. By the time you get to like age 22 throughout NBA history, you have players who have the ability and have shown the the demonstrated the level of play that is consistent with like I'm an MVP even though I'm 22 years old. Yeah, I think the takeaway is not specifically rookies, but when you have young guys, be a little bit patient because it's very difficult to be 20, 19 years old or something like that and be a high impact player. Like if a player is not showing up like that, wait a little bit. Wait till they're 22, 23, 24. And by 22, if you're going to be an all-time player, you're going to you're probably going to be showing flashes of that brilliance at that point. On on the flip side, if you're 20, 21, 22, and you're an all NBA level player, a soft MVP level player, a strong MVP level player. Uh, not only do you get ready for Springfield and the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, but my goodness, your aging curve, you're just going to be so good in the fat of your prime. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There was a question I wanted to ask you, Ben. Yeah. And I, I never asked it to you. Who, who do you think has the youngest MVP level season? Which MVP season is the youngest? 
the youngest MVP level season, um, boy, of all Is it time. Is Luca at 20? Youngest MVP level season. I would say it is Luca probably at yeah yeah that's I still feels like maybe all NBA ish using the normal cutoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I kind of feel like you don't really get. I'm not sure there's been a 20 year old who's had an MVP level season. Okay. Let's let's leave it at that. Okay, that sounds yeah. good for now. Yeah. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening all the way through to our, our ridiculous outro at the end here and our extra content. Um, hope you enjoyed this one. Look forward to all the comments you have. Um, and as always, of course, I hope you're having a great day. <laughs>